Hi, everyone. Welcome to Stories from the Field presented by Search King. On this podcast, we will focus on sharing stories by home service leaders and provide you with their secret to success. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Search Kings Present Stories from the Field. I'm joined today by Christina. We are really excited for today's episode. Yeah, today we have Audrey Hall. She's the president of EcoServe Pest Services in Orchard Park, New York. You have 18 employees and you guys do both residential and commercial. We're really excited to have you here today. So uh, maybe you can tell us how you got into the industry. Yeah, thank you guys so much for having me. It's been quite the journey. I have a a little bit of an interesting background, but essentially I am a second generation pest control operator out of a suburb of Buffalo, New York, but we service pretty much all of Erie County, which is um, Western New York. I started by changing out trash cans for $5 on Thursdays when I was like 14 years old at my dad's company that, that he worked at. He was a general manager uh, at a company called Buffalo Exterminating and right here in Buffalo, actually their office, if I walk outside of our office, it's like pretty much directly across the street. So um, it's kind of funny how that works out, but um, started doing that, got out in the field a little bit with my dad. My dad had a second business called EcoServe, test services that started in uh, 2000. And it was a Saturday only business. My dad had his job Monday through Friday at Buffalo Exterminating, but then was doing EcoServe on Saturdays to make a little extra money for my sister and I who played club volleyball. And if um, anyone has children on this who's listening, understands that the travel and the practices and the fees, it all adds up. So he did EcoServe on Saturdays, uh, which was about an hour north of Buffalo around a cottage that we have up on Lake Ontario. So outside of Buffalo Exterminating's territory, but still got to do some work. And that was my beginning. And uh, after I graduated business school in 2012, I took over the business. We were doing about $32,000 in annual revenue. So it was just me working out of a little board escape with magnets on the side of it. And I had to figure out how to grow the business. At first, it was just me and my customers and then hired someone in 2014 and brought my husband on in 2015. And I'll tell you what, the blink of an eye, time just flies by. So it's been quite the journey. Wow. From the, the Ford Escape with the magnet sticker. I love that. What do you think was the, do you remember the turning point where you started to say like, wow, like this could be something that must've been an exciting moment. Yeah. You know, I have, uh, so because of my background and because of kind of, I just was super fortunate because I've been around the industry going to these events as a kid. So I would go to national pest management association events since I was, I don't know, four or five years old. So I was able to kind of see based on some other companies that I've been around, what you can do if you put the effort in and you surround yourself with the right people, right? That's, that's my biggest thing. And so I kind of knew that there was an opportunity for for us to grow and really make something out of it. And I think when, really when we started branding the business, we went from the magnets to spending some money on a a vehicle wrap and, and purchasing new vehicles and really creating this sort of image for who we are. And so if someone sees our van rolling down the street, they know, okay, yep, that's, that's EcoServe. We put a lot of money into that. Quite honestly, at the time, spending $1,500 on a vehicle wrap was terrifying. It's just money that you, it's not necessarily there, but we did it kind of thing. I would say that's probably my turning point. And now at this point, now we're just trying to keep growing and, you know, pushing the envelope and managing all the pieces because, you know, growing a business is sort of taking 
three steps forward, two steps back kind of thing. It, it's not butterflies and roses all the time, but you know, we do our best to have fun along the way and, and uh, take care of our people. So that's a, that's a you know good point about like, for me, what growing is, is not just about revenue, but also your employees growing your team and growing the business that way. How do you, how do you find the right people to hire? Well, we started out by finding the wrong people to hire. Okay. <laughs> so trial by fire a little bit. It's, uh, you know, it was when we first started hiring, we really didn't have an identity as a company. So it was sort of like, are you a hard worker? Okay, cool. That's check one. Are you reliable? Check two. And do you have a driver's license? Check three. It's like, okay, great. And and that was fine. But our next step beyond that was sort of, we created some core values for our, for our company. And then we created our company goals. And that sort of set us up for success because then when we go to sit down with a candidate, we say, this is what we're all about. And this is what we do as a team. And, and this is, you know, this is what we look for. And so we can craft some questions around those things that are important to us so that, you know, when they start telling us about their past and their experiences, they either match up or they don't. And then we're not wasting anyone's time. We're not wasting our, our energy and resources and training someone just to find out that they don't align with the things that we align with. That was a huge thing for us. I think we did that, creating those core values and those company goals, I want to say four or five years ago. And ever since then, it's really allowed us to just focus on what we want to be good at because we can't be good at everything. We know that. But that has really helped us find some team members who just who just get it. You know, and you, and you can, you can, I don't want to say we're all the same because I'm really big on diversity and, and making sure that there's different people are coming from different backgrounds, but at the core of it, these are the, these are the type of people that you want serving your customers and serving the community kind of thing. Is there something intangible that you would say that you're looking for? Like something that aligns with your core values that you're like, that's what I'm looking for. Something about that person. Like, can you describe that at all? I would say someone who has the personality is the biggest one for me. I, I think it comes down to like, if you can carry a conversation, utilize real world experiences, right? Because in pest control, a lot of our customers have bug issues and they need us right away. And they're having all sorts of emotions already. So if, if we can bring in some past experiences and, and on top of that, some sense of empathy, like we understand, or I've been where you are, or yeah, customer from last week had the same thing. I, I know what you're going through. We're going to get through this. It's easier said than done to have that type of personality where you say, okay, Nick, he's going to be like this at 8 a.m. in the morning, but then he will also be that same exact person at 3.34 o'clock at the end of the day. That's a hard thing to do to, to be able to be that understanding, caring person throughout the day, every single day. But when you find that person, you know, it's special and it's unique and our customers recognize it. You know, interviewing is an interesting thing. I've done it for a few years myself and it's hard to really get to know someone in that 30 minute or, you know, 60 minute window. But what would you say is, you know, maybe your top three interview questions that you will not and the interview before you ask? Ah, that's a really good question. A big red flag in an interview for me is someone who wants to place blame on, on things that have happened in the past. Instead, what is, I guess, instead of what is a red flag, but what is like a, oh my gosh, this, this person gets it, is when they self-reflect, right? So if, tell me about an experience you had where things didn't go your way, or you had a difficult customer and, and kind of walk me through what that looks like. 
And, you know, a big indication of someone who gets it is someone who can say, yeah, this is X, Y, and Z happened, but here's how I could have maybe done it a little bit better. So it's not all like, it wasn't on me. It wasn't on me. It was a, here's where things went wrong. Here's where I probably could have done better. And here's how I handled it. So more of a, you know, falling on your sword type of thing. Someone who is understanding. So teamwork is a big part of what we do here at EcoServe. So if you can get someone who starts talking about working as a team, working with others, understanding that you're not going to be supporting everyone every single day, but maybe, you know, here or there you need to support team member X, but then the next day that team member is going to support you. It's all about that give and take. It's all about all of us achieving the goal together. Yeah, it's it's a little bit of both. Finding someone who exemplifies a lot of that stuff is is huge for us. You know, once you get someone good, you want to keep them, right? You want to keep them as long yeah. as you possibly can. So how do you you make people that you have employed make them feel valued and, and make them feel excited to come to work? Well, first of all, I think like we talked about, you need to find the person that's going to fit in with your organization. So that's step number one. Make sure that they're a good fit for you and you're a good fit for them. And then once once you get them on board, it's important to get to know a little bit about them. One of the things I do on day number one is I'll sit down with them for maybe a half hour and just get to get to hear their story a little bit, get to hear about their family or what's important to them, things like that. I take notes on it and follow up on things. We do different stuff. And so one of our folks here, his dad went in the hospital and they live in a farm. He lives right next to his parents' farm, right? And they've got eight cows and uh, that need to be give them hay and, and bed them and stuff like that. I learned all about it. But basically, he was the one who went out there 5 a.m. in the morning, 5 p.m. at night, and 7 p.m. with his wife. This is this is one of our guy's dads. And uh, he was in the hospital, so he couldn't do it. So I'm like, well, okay, um, I'm going to pick up dinner for you guys. We're going to grab some groceries. And I shut up there that night, and I – will tell you, and I've told him a million times, like this is, it was so good for me. I had a ball with his mom and his sisters and we went and took care of the cows and like, they didn't love me. The cows did not love me. They were giving me the stink eye, but it was like, it was just so fun. It was just something different. And I got a really nice thank you note the next day. Just like, it makes you realize like, it's not just about the work we do. It's really about the people And if you can show that you care about the people and, you know, you can go out and help them out every once in a while, it makes a big difference. But I'll tell you what, like, I'm a big believer of if you spend some time helping others, I promise you'll get something in return. And and that was the case here. I wasn't expecting much, but I went and I just laughed my butt off for like an hour and a half and met some cows that, you know, weren't a really big fan of me, but I, it was just fun. It, it was, it just was so fun. I'll talk about, I'll talk about that night for the rest of my life. That's amazing. You got as much out of it as anyone. Yep, absolutely. I was visiting a, a company who does community outreach and similar to you. And I want to hear more about how you got into that and how valuable it is. One thing just to, that they did was they had a board in their uh, breakout room or their staff room where they posted their events with the dates so that the employees could go and participate. So it wasn't, and we all get into that. We run things we're proud of, but then we move on and, you know, we're on to the next challenge. And sometimes the employees may not even know what that was that we, you know, accomplished last month. So just some 
an idea of posting it so that it's available for others to, you know, be reminded of, even though you may have, you know, take jump to the next challenge. Yeah, that's, that's totally true. I think, um, you know, for, for us, it's, it's, it's sort of evolved over the last several years, definitely in the fact that we started small again, as a, as a company that's got a few employees and, and every dollar makes a difference, um, when it comes to investing in, into the, you know, back into to certain things, we were pretty particular about kind of what organizations we supported. But once we've built on that, we continue to go back to those same organizations. And one of the things that I'm really proud of our team for is that they get right into it. So it becomes part of our daily work habit for that particular month. So for example, in October, we support the Breast Cancer um, Network of Western New York, a local organization that supports over 300 survivors every single year. And we sell raffle tickets. So our service team and our office team will go out and sell raffle tickets and we'll raffle off like um, this past year was a, a, a grill and a Buffalo Bills prize pack. And so everyone gets involved with it. It's not necessarily an after hours type thing. It's a during the day type thing. And we've got a group chat and we're going back and forth and ticket sales and We've got a little meter that we that we measure. So, you know, for for us, it becomes another piece of their day, you know, while they're working. And, you know, on top of it, we're able to kind of include our customers on it. So, you know, for that particular instance, we we matched up to two thousand dollars to that organization. And you're you're getting the customers involved. It's not a huge leg for you know, lift for them, but they then realize, okay, this company is not just about profit. It's about, you know, you know, supporting a company that wants to use those financial resources to, to make a difference. And we do that. We do food drive every other year. Um, so we'll donate up to, you know, match dollar for dollar on some stuff. And then um, the autism nature trail in, in June, we usually for every program that's sold, we donate $25 to it's just they're little stuff. Like it's very little minimal stuff, but I think overall, it kind of, like you said, you get this sense of like meaning and purpose. And especially when you can bring the team into it, it kind of takes it to the next level. COVID was weird because we usually like to adopt a family at the holidays. And so last year, not this past year, but the, the previous year, we ended up doing teams of like two or three to the local toy store. And we gave them a list of, you know, what the kids wanted, um, like a local veterans family kind of thing. And then they went and got to purchase, you know, up to $100 or $200 per kid. It was a team thing. It was like, you know, you're not just writing a checkout. And that's my biggest thing that I think has changed how we do things over the past few years is you you get people involved. So your employees are prideful when they're heading out into the community to work and, and prideful going home, knowing that they're working for a company that's, you know, cares about people beyond just the revenue coming in and, and the customer base. So. Yeah, and not and not just that, they get to know each other. So so they're out doing these things and they get to know one another and like, oh my gosh, Jimmy, you play, you know, Mario Kart. Oh oh my we should we should get a team together. I mean that it literally happened. One Friday night they all got together and did Mario Kart in our basement here and we just ordered Chinese food and um it was just like they get to know one another. You know, you're out in the you're out in the field all day with your customers and you may communicate back and forth with the office, but these moments that accumulate, you get to realize you work with some really special people. I'm sure as you continue to grow, it's going to be that much more important to have them connected to each other and, and making sure they know each other. Uh, you know, we moved to remote 
uh, at the beginning of COVID and it's tough. We hire a lot of people and you, you pride yourself on having a great culture of support and fun and, you know, care for customers. And then months go by where people haven't seen each other in person and you have to make sure you really pay attention to it. Yeah. It, it's, it's like a full-time job to manage that stuff. And like you said, the days will, the days will go by and you'll be like, I haven't heard from that person or, or, Oh my gosh, his mom had surgery last year. I haven't, or last week I, I didn't check in to see how she's doing. Yeah. It's, it's hard. Let's talk a little bit about customer service. I mean, I, I start with any company that we work with and, and um, we know the importance of Google reviews as an example of it sort of illuminates what is the customer experience, right? And and yes, you mostly get good reviews in general companies because you ask for them when customers are happy, but you can feel a company's sentiments by looking at their Google reviews. You guys are outstanding at you know 5.0 with 320 reviews. I noticed that you respond to the reviews with your name. You include the customer's name in the review. That sense of customer service, how has that had to change through the pandemic? And, you know, what plans do you have to make sure that you keep that standard? Yeah, I, you know, so for us, the pandemic has, we've really made an effort to keep things business as usual outside of a ton of additional PPE and protocols in place for the actual service of things. And kind of what we talked about before is as you grow a business and you bring more people on, it becomes even more critical that you think about every interaction you have with a customer because you, because if you have one person in the office, okay, well, they're going to know Patty and they'll know Patty for a year and then she'll be the person that always takes care of the problem. But now that you have four or five people in the office, um, you have to be acutely aware of like the interactions that you have, making sure that you put notes in about that family and making sure that the folks that you bring into the office are still asking those same questions. So, oh my gosh, I saw you had a baby last month. How's everything going? Just little stuff like that makes a really big difference. I mean, for us, we, you know, one of the cool things that Patty in her office, she's just an angel. She came up with an idea a year and a half ago to, get cards, like greeting cards, for babies, for weddings, for even like illness or death in the family. So she writes the, she writes the note out. Our entire team signs it with a little note. And if one of our commercial accounts or someone I know through networking gets an award, again, um, a card that we sign as a team and, and mail out. Little touches like that from a customer service standpoint, people aren't expecting them, but when they get it, it's like groundbreaking. I know when I receive a letter or something in the mail from someone that I'm not expecting and it's like just a little touch of like, hey, we're really proud of you. We're like, good job, awesome, blah, blah, blah. Or I'm really sorry to hear about this. It just, it, it's just a little something, but um, that's kind of, you know, our tagline here is pest control that's personal. So we want to make sure that, that that component of what we do is found throughout every interaction we have. It, it won't be perfect. You know, we'll, we'll have slip-ups or we'll have days where we're, we're not quite to the level I'd like us to be at. That's just normal human being stuff. But again, if you can have enough of those small little interactions, um, I think people will, will find forgiveness for the moments where you're being human. And on the customer side, have you seen customers change, you know, throughout the pandemic, their expectations around... You know, obviously around PPE, yes, but around promptness or communication. Have you seen any change? You know, not me in particular. I think that we have a really terrific, like, I, I don't know if it's our, 
if it's our community or our customer base, but for the most part, they're really understanding. I think one of the things that, you know, we've found when I'm dealing with vendors or when I'm dealing with other people that I'm, you know, kind of the customer for, it's, it's, I'm trying to be very mindful of the fact that everyone right now, I don't care who you are, is going through something. So over the past couple of years, if I've learned anything is more patience, more kindness. And I, I don't need things as quickly as I think I used to expect it. And I think a lot of people are sort of understanding that too. Um, at least that's what I found is that our customer base is really terrific. They're not expecting us any quicker than we were getting out there before. And if anything, I, I feel like our reviews have been even better over the last year, year and a half, because it's weird. We get people call in and just tell us what a wonderful job our, our service people did. It's not just one person, it's multiple. And so when that happens, it's, you know, you're not getting it on the Google platform, but, you know, the person in the office will actually um, email all of management and then email that technician. And then we'll post it on our group chat and say, great job and stuff. But I think it's probably been for the better, but that's just our experience. I just wanted to talk a little bit about pest control and uh, it being typically if someone calls a company, you know, they're expecting it to be predominantly male, whether it's the person who's leading the company, whether it's the person visiting the home, it's just they just expect it to be male. And then, you know, you're, you're a leader of NPMA. How do you like, do you have any you know, advice and, and our suggestions, like how do you deal with, uh, you know, being a woman in an industry that it's just male, like the expectation is usually typically male. I mean, when I first started and it was just me, um, it was just me for a good solid eight months to a year before I hired my first employee, I'd have people call me up on my cell phone and I'd answer. And, you know, you, you have your professional voice on blah, 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 like Audrey in the office. And I'll be, like, okay, I'll be like, okay, great. Well, I'll, uh, I'll see you then 10 a.m. tomorrow. They'd be like, okay, great. Who's coming out? Who should I be expecting? And uh, my response would be like, um, it's me. <laughs> it's just me. It's, you get me. And usually they're fine. You know, for the most part, they're fine. And I'll, I'll tell you what, the biggest thing that, that I found, especially over the last few years, is that women and minorities and um, diversity has been so well-received. And I think it's an important piece of the, the industry because you get different, you know, you get different backgrounds, you get people with different experiences. And, and, uh, you know, I haven't noticed a huge, it hasn't been a, a real issue for me. I have got a lot of opinions. I've got a lot of thoughts on things and I um, am not afraid to speak my mind on things. So that's probably why one of the reasons why I really don't see that as much but I have heard a lot of stories. I've heard a lot of stories from in the field of, you know, what are you doing out here? You know, why aren't you, you know, oh gosh, I've, you know, you're so pretty. Why are you, why, why are you doing this? I've heard that before, but stuff like that doesn't bother me. I, you know, if, as long as you provide a really good service, as long as you provide an educated experience for them, my thought process is this, you know, you're out there, you're doing your job and maybe you'll change their perception on things, you know, if you do that. As far as advice goes, you know, build confidence, having confidence, you know, practicing what you're going to say. Education is never a bad thing. It's, it's you know, to want to learn more, to put yourself outside of your comfort zone. I tell people that I, I just meet, like, I'm, I, I was not always like this, outgoing and, and outspoken and a lot to say. I was not like this. 
but I'd have to really like rev myself up and say, just get out there. You're going to meet someone else and they're going to make a difference in your life. You have to do that. And I did that with my customers. And then I started doing that with my team members. And then my team members now allow me the opportunity to go do that in the industry. So I know Lauren, I, you know, at the Eastern conference, when we met, it was, I, I, even back then it was like terrifying sometimes to go up to new people that you've never met before. But look, look where we are today. I mean, you know, we've, we have this, this great relationship and um, just checking in on each other and stuff like that. It, it's almost, you don't want to do yourself a disservice by not knowing people that have got a lot that can help you with. So, I mean, for the other female listeners that we have today, what other networks can you suggest that they should join uh, just to kind of, you know, help out if this, especially if they're new in the industry? From a local standpoint, chambers of commerce are a great way to, to meet people. That's what I would do. Um, I would have my uh, fancy dress clothes, and then I'd go to my morning meetings at like 7.30 in the morning and go present myself as someone who was <laughs> like super well I was literally 21 at the time, but I had to pull myself off like a 30-year-old because I was with a bunch of older folks. So I did that. And then I'd, I'd go out, um, I'd go down, down the street to like Burger King or something and change into my work clothes right after. And then I'd go out and service. So, so stuff like that, the, there's a lot of local networks that you can, you know, build relationships with the industry. The state associations are usually really fantastic at connecting you with folks. I know national pest management association has a terrific mentorship program. So you, depending on what you're looking for and what you need, they can connect you with someone that's, willing to do, you know, to just help and lend an ear. And on top of that, one of the big things for me that changed the game was in 2017, I went through the executive leadership program, ELP through um, the National Association. And that was a two-year program. And uh, it just changed. It changed everything for me. So stuff like that, just putting yourself out there and introducing, just introducing yourself even on days when you don't really want to, where you'd rather just go home and like pop open a bottle of wine. I had plenty of those nights where I'm like, I don't want to go to this networking event tonight. I'm exhausted. But I pushed myself and I went and you find that five minutes into it, you're like, okay, I was stupid for not wanting to go. Stuff like that. Part of, of, you know, the success that we've seen you you know, grow even just since we met in 2019 is on the marketing side and, and the brand that your company exudes. You were one of the early adopters on Google Guarantee, which is all about your social proof on Google, your reviews, your ability to answer the phones, which you guys do amazing, and being able to promptly serve customers. What advice do you have around marketing for, you know, a small pest control company? They are, they're just getting started and you can't go drop fifteen, twenty thousand dollars on branding, right? It's just not possible. Like you spoke about with your fifteen hundred dollar vehicle wrap, you know that was a big move. But in general, any advice you have? Spending fifteen to twenty grand right now doesn't work for me. So I get it. For us, it was it was starting small. It was finding out who we wanted to be as an organization sitting down and spending a few hours just to figure out what your core values are. Again, I'm really, I'm a big believer of that is, is that if you can put those down on paper and print them up, like even it doesn't have to be colorful or anything, just print them up. And then, you know, if you have a team of a few, the three of you guys can sit down and just figure out what it is you want to be as a company, right? You're not a silo. You have to utilize the folks around you. And if you don't have someone around you, if it's just you, 
find a few people to kind of act as a board of directors for you. So you can just say, hey, I want to buy you guys drinks tonight. Do you mind coming over and we'll have a chat on this? That's like step number one. So after that, then you kind of want to have this professional image. So my kind of my piece of advice is look around the industry and maybe outside of the industry too and see what brands do you really resonate with? Like what, what looks clean and what looks crisp? Anything that's overly graphic, there's, there, there's too much clutter in it. Uh, you know, I found that it doesn't really, it, it sometimes can get messy. So keep it nice and clean and simple. We went through a million taglines. A mil, I'm telling you, it was like probably nearly a thousand. And we kind of said, it needs to be like three to five words max. Nothing super crazy. Nothing that was like generic. So you really want, again, you want to figure out it and don't rush to make decisions on this stuff. It can, it can take time and little baby steps. I mean, I was cool with having my little magnets and um, it did the job and eventually we kind of moved up to, to the, to the logoed vehicle and then we moved on to like more of a consistent, you know, white van. And then, you know, 14 bands later, they all look the same rolling down the street. But then what's part of that too? It's the uniform, making sure the uniform's consistent, making sure that you have that standard. You know, our company, we don't really allow hoodies or anything like that out in the, out in the field. But other companies do. So you just want to make sure that as long as you have a standard, it's, it's written down so your team members know what's expected and then the literature that you provide. So you don't want to have a company vehicle that looks nothing like your website or doesn't have the same feel of what you're trying to put out on social media. When it comes to marketing, our, our, our big thing is personal. So pictures of our team, not stock photos. That's a huge thing. And phones nowadays can take brilliant pictures. Stuff like that that's, that's less cookie-cutter, more focused on who you are as a company. Customers sort of resonate with that a bit more than than if it looked like you came from a national company kind of thing. Sounds like you're bringing in that human touch, but like the word you said is personal, right? So it's sort of like that human touch. I got to say, I'm looking at your, you know, I've seen your, your cars on your website. Clean and crisp is exactly how I would describe <laughs> your car, we, your vehicles. Uh, I'll tell you what. So we actually have um, car wash cards in all of them. And right down the street, we make sure they get their car washed um, once or twice a week because we want nice. them looking clean. We have really rough winters around here, and salt and dirt and stuff makes them look like garbage. So you can have a good-looking car, but if it's coated in dirt, it's like, what, what a waste. No, that's a really good point. Very good point. Uh, so, you know, you've been in this industry a very long time or been, like, involved or surrounded by it for, it sounds like, pretty much most of your life. What do you think or what do you foresee – changing in the next 10 years in, in pest control? I would really love to see, and part of what, you know, I'm on the NPMA's Workforce Development Steering Committee, and a lot of the work that they're doing right now is pretty groundbreaking for our industry in ways that we recruit different folks to our industry, because the more people that know about our industry and can work in our industry and, and bring their expertise, I mean, we're having a, it's a, it's kind of a crazy labor market right now, right? Everyone's competing for everyone. But I think what we're going to continue to find is that professional pest management industry is a fantastic place to build a career, right? And if we can together figure out ways to bring in those folks from different backgrounds, so different diversities, different races, ethnicities, and um, women in particular. And, you know, the other thing that we're working on is veterans. 
you know, past vets is another part of NPMA that focuses on recruiting veterans. I see us continuing to evolve and really bringing in different faces and just kind of continually um, changing the landscape. And, you know, more people who are working in our industry, that means more innovation. That means more technology. That means we can, you know, do things that maybe if, if we stayed the way we were and stayed stagnant, we may take 20 years to get there. But you bring in a bunch more people. You bring in that, you know, those outside thinkers or, or people that you once never thought to bring in our industry and they've got different ideas and different philosophies on things. You may, you may take a 20-year idea and it, it can happen in five years, right? So I'm a big believer in that. I'm a huge supporter of it. And uh, I'm just excited to be a part of it and to continue to see what, uh, what the future holds. I'm, I'm young. I'm 31 years old. Um, I have got a long time until I retire. I know quite a few folks are retiring in the next five, 10 years. And I'm just like, well, God bless you because <laughs> it's got a long time to go. But it's a great industry. It, it really is. And I think more people need to know about it. Yeah. Any advice to people uh, who are looking for work-life balance? Um, I know it's a big topic nowadays. So any advice? Yeah, I, I would say communication is a big one. So if that's something that's really important to you, I think it's important to have that conversation with your employer. And if you're that employer on the other side of the table, understand it and, and realize that if you have a good worker, do not let them go because they want to, they've got, they've got to be at their kid's soccer game or, you know, stuff on the weekends kind of constricts some things. We have had to change the way um, flexibility is handled in our business, but I would much rather do that and, and um, work with them to have them stay on board and serve our customers in that capacity than I would have, you know, have someone who may not be at that level of service, providing that service. So I honestly, communication is a big one. Work-life balance is a, is a huge topic, but again, I've got a six-year-old at home. I've got three dogs at home. I, I get it. I don't want to be the type of leader that says one thing and does another. I want our, you know, our people to feel like, that stuff's important to them. Or if, if an illness comes up that they can let us know, or the family does come first, we're a family owned business. It's common sense. Like it shouldn't be a difficult conversation at the same time. You know, I think the work-life balance should also be something like when you're working, you're working, you know, you shouldn't be, you shouldn't be on your cell phone all day long. You should, you should, re when you're here, here's the expectation. It is a give and take. I, I would say that as long as you keep an open mind that, you know, your, your company is going to take care of you and then they follow through with that, then, then you'll take care of the customers. And it's just kind of that symbiotic relationship. We really appreciate you joining us and sharing, you know, what it took for you to grow your business with caring for your employees and customers really at the center of the whole thing. And, and that's really what rings loud and clear. Um, and I think it's been great advice for our clients who listen to this. And uh, thank you so much. No, I, I appreciate everything you guys have done for us at, at, over at Search Kings. I mean, it was, you know, when we first started talking, it was, you know, this is going to be the future. And, and here we are, and it is the future. And you guys have really brought us a long way and um, appreciate all your support. That's another episode of Search Kings Presents Stories from the Field. Hope you enjoyed. See you next time. Thanks for listening to Stars from the Field, brought to you by Search Kings. We are here to help your home service business grow and dominate in your community. Stay tuned for more episodes as we learn what it takes to scale and succeed your business.